So today the topic is authority. Someone say authority. 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 So if you just stand and turn to Mark 2 verse 23. I just want to read it while you're standing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm sure they're going to have it on your on the screen behind me. And if you have an Android, you probably already found it. If you've got Apple, you're still looking. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll stop, I'll stop. I'll stop, I'll stop. It's fine, it's fine. All right. So let's, I'll read in your hearing. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And as they went, his disciples why? Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abitha, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore... The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And let the church say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. And I want you to preach with me today. Amen. Amen. So Mark 2. In Mark 2, we find Jesus doing various miracles. It starts off with Jesus speaking, uh, doing a miracle with a paralytic man. And this man was lowered down into the building that Jesus was in and they brought him to him and he said, your sins are forgiven. And then you see the Pharisees complaining, complaining about him doing that. Then it goes on, you follow on after that and you see Jesus there calling Matthew into being one of the disciples and he finds them there again complaining. And then it also goes on, and Jesus is questioned about his disciples fasting. And again, there's people complaining. You see, Jesus was constantly questioned, even when he was doing miracles. Jesus was constantly being questioned, and yet he was still performing miracles, yet he was still moving in power. There's one thing that we need to understand. How do we respond to questioning? Because you see, there will always be people in your life that will question your call, question why you are in the place that you are, question why you are picked for this position, question why you are even standing right now, questioning you as to why what you believe. But what did Jesus do? In the response to questioning, he was unbothered. Jesus continued to, to preach, continued to teach, continued to do miracles. The reason why Jesus could be unbothered is because doubt can't stop authority. What we need to understand is no matter who doubts you, no matter where you find yourself and people are doubting you, doubting your call, doubting your, your command, doubting what you're saying to them, it does not matter because authority responds not to doubt, but to your position. Authority is not about who, who's standing in front of you and questioning you. Authority is not about who you're in favor with and who you're not in favor with. When God gives you authority, it speaks for you. When God gives you authority, you can stand in the midst of your doubters and say, regardless of what you say, the Lord has called me. The Lord has positioned me. The Lord has placed me in this space. And no matter what you say, no matter what you do, I am called of the Lord. The call of the Lord is irrevocable. 
When the Lord calls you, he didn't ask anyone. He didn't call anyone and say, you know, what, what about this person? The Lord's call over you is final. The Lord's words over you are final. Doubt can't stop authority. They question Jesus even further. This is the funny thing. When, when Mark is writing this gospel, Mark is accounting these powerful works of Christ. But yet he's still speaking about this group that, are, that is following him called the Pharisees. He's still, he's, he, he mentions them and you're thinking, why wouldn't you just detail the wonderful works? Why wouldn't you just detail the mighty hand of God in his life? But yet he details also people that doubted him. People that were walking around. It's so funny. Every situation you find Jesus, there's a Pharisee saying, why did he do that? Why did he do this? Why did he do that? But yet he still moved in power. Even more so in the next chapter you'll see is that when Jesus is being casting out demons, they question what authority he's under even to cast out the demons. They say, surely he's doing this by Beelzebub. And this is them referring to the devil and saying that he's doing these works by the devil. But the, the truth of the matter is when it comes to casting out of demons and things like that, one thing that we must understand is that our walk as Christians is not just about good confessions. It's not just about the, the, the nice philosophies that we bring out. The truth is our Christian walk is actually a lifestyle. The thing is when you do miracles, when you do signs, when you do wonders, when your life testifies of God, it doesn't matter what people say, your authority is there. It's there to be seen. It's there to be known by the people. Someone say amen. 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 And the thing is today, we find a lot of people online that are, we, we, have, we have discernment, uh, discernment channels. We have people who question a lot of things. We have even cessationists who question whether, whether God's power can move today. You'll find a lot of that over YouTube. You'll find a lot of those types of people speaking to those things. But the truth of the matter is, as I said, your life is a testament. Your life speaks and the truth of the matter is that regardless of where you find regardless of where you find yourself regardless of how people continuously may question and question and question it's not about that it's not about what they're saying it's not about what they're trying to uh, unpick in you the, the truth is that as paul said it he didn't come with uh, smart philosophies he didn't come with words but he came with demonstration and what power that's what he came demonstrating in this gospel. Because the truth of the matter is, sometimes we, we, we deify people and we make this all about, okay, what is, it, what, is this, what is he demonstrating? What is he doing with this? The truth of the matter is, what are the fruits of the people? The only way that you're really going to witness to the people out there is that you show them your life. The scripture says that, you're, that you are the living epistles. That we are the hands of feet of Jesus on the earth. So it is about us demonstrating Christ today. Demonstrating Christ for our life. What can, the thing that always the Lord reminds me about is this. It doesn't matter. As Paul says, if I prophesy, if I speak, if I have dreams, if I have visions, and I don't have love, my words are but a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. The truth of the matter is, what do your friends and family say about you? If you cannot be a testament to them, how much more so to the people out there? The truth of the matter is that the authority that we live in doesn't come by, okay, I've, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this. 
but what about your fruits? What is the fruit saying about you? Amen? Amen. Now, the truth of the matter is this, this Pharisaic group, one thing that you have to understand about the Pharisees is that the Pharisees were the biggest group of people um, when it came to the law and things like that. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes are key, three key groups that the Gospels tell you about in terms of people who questioned when it came to religious affairs. And they were quite popular at the time. And the thing is, they all, fa- they all found fault in Jesus. They all found something to say, well, we don't, we don't agree with this. We don't agree with that. We don't agree with this. But the truth of the matter is that authority is not even by popular opinion. Authority is not about who's with you and who's not with you. Authority is not about how many friends you have. Authority how many you don't. Authority doesn't matter whether people are walking with you or whether they're not. Authority doesn't matter if there's people walking behind you and murmuring. Because when the situation comes, when it comes to the casting out of devils, when it comes to speaking the word, when it comes to healing, when it comes to ministry, when it comes to showing love, those things bear fruit. The authority that you're walking in will be seen and known. Amen? Amen. So it doesn't matter. It does not matter whether they're, they're with you or not, whether they're against you or not. Jesus, throughout all the events that we just described, he, didn't, he was unmoved. He was unbothered whether the Pharisees followed him and questioned him. Could you imagine people just walking behind you murmuring every two seconds? How are you standing when you're at work and people are murmuring behind you? When you have people slandering your name? How are you responding when people are, are whispering lies about you? When they're saying things behind your back? How are you going to respond when you don't have anyone to defend you in your corner? How, what is your thought? But the real truth is that the Lord is fighting for you that the Lord is speaking on your behalf, that the Lord will give you favor both with God and with man, that regardless of what people are saying, the truth will bear fruit. The truth will always be known. Regardless of who accuses you, who accuses you in quiet places, who accuses you to your face, you can stand and say, Lord, I am secure in you. I'm secure in your word. Sometimes you'll find yourself in situations where it'd be easier to stand up for yourself. But this, this is the thing. The Lord will fight your battles. I love what, what, Jesus, what God said to Moses. Be still and know that I am God. There are certain situations in your life where you just have to stand up and say, be still and know that I am God. There are certain places where you're thinking, let me defend myself. Let me run after it. Let me fight for my name. But the Lord's saying, be still and know that I am God. The truth of the matter is that in this we trust God. In this we know that it's not the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through pulling down of strongholds. The thing is, we are not fighting. The scripture says we're not fighting against flesh and blood. But what does it say? We're fighting against principalities, powers, rulers of spiritual wickedness in high places. The battle that we're facing is not about the people in front of us, about the spirits behind us. Sometimes we use the gift of the discerning of spirits to say, I see that one. I see this one. The truth of the matter is when you're facing accusations, you need to go to that place of authority. You know where that is? On your knees. On your knees is where you find authority. On your knees is where you fight for your name. On your knees is where you say, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. On your knees do you say that the Lord is my defender, that the Lord is my safe place, he is my rock. Hallelujah. It is on your knees. 
It's not all the time that you have to fight. It's not all the time that you have to fight for you. Know that God defends you. Authority, sometimes we believe it's about how much we shout and scream, how much we're roaring, how much we're doing these things. And there's space for those things. But understand this, the authority in our roar comes from what? The Holy Spirit. Because we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, that's where we prophesy from. We don't prophesy when you hear us speaking in tongues, when you hear us prophesying. It's not about just kind words, nice words. It comes from another dimension. It comes from the Lord of glory. These words are not coming from the earthly realm but it's coming from the throne of heaven and speaking to you amen amen authority is not by popular opinion the rulers didn't agree with him but he still moved in power where does a security like that come from because the truth of the matter is sometimes we can feel shaken by our situations even you may feel shaken by the situation that you find yourself in, where a lot of doors close to you, where a lot of doors are, are slamming shut on you. But I just want to prophesy to you right now that the Lord, where you are, wherever you are, the Lord is speaking for you. That although even when it seems like he's not with you, even when you don't feel his presence, that his power is still there. Authority is more than a feeling. Authority is more, than, is more than just the moment when we gather together. The truth of the matter is when we gather together, it's easy to feel empowered. But what happens when you go home? What happens when you go home? What happens when you're sitting by yourself? What happens when no one's around to encourage you? What happens when you don't have a friend to call? Where do you go to? Where do you... Because... It's easy in those spaces to sink into your own self, sink into a, a hard place, sink into the lies of the devil. Because the truth is, sometimes you don't even feel God. Sometimes you don't even feel God. I remember a situation. I, I was jobless for a long, time after, a long time after getting married. And there was one situation where I got to a point and I said, Lord, until you speak to me and until I feel you, I'm going to go on a fast. And I fasted, and I fasted to the point that I lost count of the days. I fasted, and then on top of that, I, I broke out in hives, and I didn't even know what, what was happening. I just had loads of bumps just popping up all over my, my body, and I'm still fasting, and I'm still praying. And... The truth of the matter is, in that moment, I felt I could not feel God in that moment. And I remember picking up the phone, and this is the thing as well. I remember picking up the phone, and I'm, I'll leave the name of the person out. But someone said, well, you're not praying enough. I, wouldn't, I didn't tell them how, how long I was fasting. I didn't tell them that I was praying. They're like, you, you probably need to go fast. And one thing that I came to understand, sometimes when an apostle comes in, he'll say, you know, he, his gifting, he didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't like fast days for it. He just, that's something that God gave him. One thing that I understood in that moment is this, that the truth of the matter is that God is not, it doesn't matter how much you dig and fast, you cannot move the hand of God. That, that is the honest to God truth. 
You can't force God to do what you want him to do. God can, does not move according to what you think he, he should do for your life. It does not matter. One thing that I learned in that season, I'd grown up in a mindset where I thought, okay, I, if I fast a certain amount, if I do this, if I do that, that means that God's going to move for me. The truth of the matter is I want to loose that off of your mind in the name of Jesus. That belief that you have to continuously, um, it's, it's, it's even like self-harm. Ketomosaya, where you think that you have to inflict pain on yourself to make God move for you. That is what the prophets of Baal did. But listen to what Elijah did. Elijah said, let the God that answers by fire answer for me. Let that God answer for me. Elijah moved in the speed of the Holy Ghost. Elijah knew who his God was. Elijah knew who he was standing in authority with. It's not about how much you think you have to do. The thing is, we, we understand it for salvation. We understand for salvation, we say it's not by, it's not by works less any man should boast. But then when it comes to the fact of going deeper in the realms of God and in his authority, we think, okay, I can move the hand of God by doing X amount of prayers. I can lock myself in a room and do X amount. And the truth of the matter is we see a lot of this happening and people losing their mind and thinking then that they have authority. But the truth of the matter is, like I said, what are the fruits of your life? If you're looking broke, busted, and disgusted, and all that's coming out of your life is, is that you're no fruit, no love, no joy, no peace. No love, no peace, no friends, no community. And you think that is God working in your life? The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. God doesn't move like that. You can't force him like that. But one thing that I understood in that season is that I have to move with what God is saying. I have to come out of myself. I have to come out of the thoughts that I have. I have to come out of the ways of thinking that I have and say, Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying? Because there's the truth of the matter. In that season, what used to happen with me is that I would, I would hear so many, I'd, I'd hear the word of the Lord or I'd have a dream to the point where it was so accurate, it was scary. I'll tell you one of them. One time I had a dream that my car ended up in, um, ended up in a lake. And it was, it was crazy for me, and I was thinking, God, how did this happen? And literally, someone else who was a, a seer, she messaged me, and she said, I see your car stripping. And I was like, you don't even know that I have a car. <laughs> but I saw that last night, too. A week afterwards, I'm driving, and this is before me and Kendall are married. I hear the, my, my car starting to rattle. And I'm thinking, what is this rattling sound? And then I drop off Kendall, and I'm going to somewhere that I'd never been before. And while I was journeying, the very road that I saw myself on in that dream, I started to go. I was on that road, because I was going somewhere that I'd never seen before. I saw that, and I started, I was, literally, you can imagine. You could imagine. Listen, I was like, Lord, you can't take my life now. I'm too young. No, God, please, please, please. I'm not even, I ain't even got tongues anymore. I'm just, please, 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 please. I'm praying, please, 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 please. God, please, please. I make it, and I'm like, God, you're good. I'm like, God, you're good. I call my dad, because my dad, you know, I'm like, Dad, listen, my car and dream, and I don't know. <laughs> but you know what's crazy? 
The next day, I take the car in, and they call me in the morning. I took it in at about early in the morning, and then they call me like a few hours later, and they said, have you changed your tires? And I was like, what are you talking about? Because at the time, I'd forgotten I had actually changed my tires. I changed my tires. And then they said, the reason why is because most of the bolts out of your car, out of your front, 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 the right front wheel had fallen out, and we pulled your wheel off your car by hand. I said, Lord God of heaven, you are good. Your mercies endure forever. Lord God, you're able to keep, you're able to save, because that could have been me. That would have been the end of my life. But the, God, the Lord God spared me and he showed me that. And that's how he actually showed me to confirm another thing about how I was supposed to leave and then, and then continue. So from that, God's speaking to me accurately about these things. And then I go into that season after listening to the word of the Lord and say, okay, now I'm going to go. I'm going to start in a new place. I just got married. Yeah, it's going to be good. God just showed me that. He's showing me this. He's showing me that. It was like nine months of no job. The truth of the matter is authority doesn't come from those spaces. Sometimes we even think that we've got authority because we have a few dreams. That was me. <laughs> we think we've got authority because we have a few dreams, we have a few visions, we have a few words. We think, okay, now I'm the big man, I'm the prophet in the house, so yeah, I can speak. No, no, no. But now I just want to show you something. I want to show you through some teaching where our authority actually comes from. Someone say authority. Okay. So... Authority. Authority. One thing that we have to understand from the very beginning is that the earth was to be the temple of God. So uh, it's in Revelations 21 verse 1 where it says, Behold, there is a new heaven and a new earth. And in Revelation we see a new picture of creation, but creation being redeemed. One thing that we have to understand as well about the, the story of creation is that in the ancient Near Eastern context, the idea of a garden, so the Garden of Eden or gardens, was a place where gods dwelt. That is the understanding that people had from back then. And to, to, to epitomize how deep that understanding was to the mindset of those that lived in that time, is that some of the first ever, in the, in the belief stretches back to the earliest civilizations of humanity. So the Sumerians and Mesopotamia, and this is something to be to understood as well because that's where Abraham actually came from. Abraham actually came from that civilization uh, of the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans actually is a name referring to the later Babylonians that points back to this actual um, empire. So this actually, and if you want to look at this and if you want to kind of research these references, Honestly, history is my, I love history, so you can write these things down and have a look into it, but this is my, this is what I love to see, the historical context of the scripture. In something called the Kesh Temple Hymn, it's the first recorded description, going back to 2600 BC, that's how old it is, of a place that describes a garden 
where gods dwell. That is an understanding that people had. So when we read about the Garden of Eden, in the mind of those that would have been hearing these words from Moses, that would have been reading these things, they would have understood that the garden was actually a place for which God was planning to dwell with humanity. Someone say, God dwells with us. Amen, amen. Follow me through this. So even when Jesus is speaking about demons and that when a demon is cast out of a man, he goes into dry places. The reason why is because Jesus is actually pointing back to this understanding that God's dwell in arid, beautiful places, but demons actually live cast out in dry places. That's why even when you think about the seven wonders of the world, when we think about those things and we think about the hanging gardens in Babylon, this actually points to the fact of this understanding of um, they were trying to build a temple for the gods. That's the understanding that they had. But this is something that we need to understand as well. And I want you just, if you can bring up onto the screen the temple, um, the temple description. The scriptures points this out even in how it lays it out. So this is something that we can see. Um, when it describes the temple, the temple goes the land of Israel or Jerusalem. And then in the outer court, court which is the courtyard, then you have the holy place. And then you have the holy of holies. If you can point to the, the next part. And then this depiction is actually shown in how Genesis describes the garden. So this shows you here that what was then um, the outer lands, the dry lands, you know, then you go the courtyard, which is the land of Eden. Then you have the garden of, um, the garden of Eden was in the east of Eden. So it wasn't actually just, it, Eden wasn't just a, a big place. It was actually the Garden of Eden was in the east. So there's more of Eden. So there's layers to this. And when we speak about the command which, which God gave to humanity, he said to, to cultivate, to, um, to guard, and to keep. The reason why he speaks about this is because there was still dry land outside. The mandate was not just to stay in the garden and play. The, the mandate wasn't just for the fact of, you know, them to sit peacefully in the midst of the garden and be like, yeah, nice, it's great for me. The idea was that you were to take what was in the garden and go out. That's why he says to multiply. That's why he speaks to be fruitful and multiply because there was more to do than that. Sometimes when we think about heaven and what is going to happen, we think about fluffy clouds and dancing and these things. In the New Jerusalem, it's still this mandate to go out into all the lands. That's the command. I, I love how the scriptures of the world says, uh, of the word says, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God. The idea that we have is that we are to take that which we receive in here and take it outwards. The, what we're seeing in the Garden of Eden is a temple-like structure. A temple-like structure. So that's what we're saying. And the Holy of Holies is the tree of life. This is important for us to understand because this shows that what was happening here is that God was planning to live and abide with us. That was the, that was the idea. And then if we can just go to Genesis 2, verses 1 to 3, if everyone can go there. Amen. I get back into preaching, but I just want to display something here. 
so that you can follow me and what, I, what the Lord is really speaking to us. So Genesis 2, verses 1 to 3, and if we can get that. Yep. Okay. So if we go to um, verse 1. Yeah, sorry, that was the verse 1. Okay. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in, in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. There's something here that I want you to see in what God is doing. When God had finished creation, he rested. When God, and, that is the, and that is the first Sabbath that we're seeing, okay? That's the first Sabbath that we're seeing. So Sabbath was not only here, just a um, God's like done, I'm tired, let's rest. Sabbath is actually a picture of God's completion of a thing. Sabbath is a picture of the seal of God on his work and he rests. Not only that, it is a depiction of God entering into a place and establishing his authority. Sabbath is actually a picture of authority. What is so interesting is that sometimes when we see authority, we think of work. But the picture in the Old Testament and in, the, in, in, in Christianity is that authority actually is shown by rest. Authority is shown in rest. And let me prove this to you even further. You see, when God entered into the temple, it is described, that, it is described in rest terms. If we go to, uh, I'm not going to go there because it might take too long. But Psalms 132 actually points to this. It points to, this is David's psalm and he's speaking about the Lord entering into the temple. And he's speaking about the rest of God. And he's saying when God, rest, when God comes into a space, his rest and authority comes there. When we go, to, when we go into 2 Samuel 7, 1, when, when David actually came back, and if we, actually if we can get that up can get that one up it says now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house and the lord had given him rest from all his enemies and all around the, what was happening before that is that this is when david had actually brought the ark back into israel so after David had fought and brought the ark back into Israel, the way that the Lord showed that he had now been amongst his people again is this, is that he, he was, when David came back and he did this and he was dwelling in his house, the Lord gave him rest from all his enemies and all around him. Amen? Someone say rest. Rest. And then in 1 Kings 8 verse 56. Let's go there. Let's go there. So it says, blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. This is actually Solomon speaking. This is Solomon speaking after the temple has been built. After the temple was established, he says that this is what happens. The Lord comes into his temple and rest descends on his people. The reason why Solomon had rest is because he built the temple and the Lord had entered into it. 
What that does is that when the Lord comes into a space, he shows his authority by stamping rest. Because the Lord is showing that he works and he fights your battles. That he is warring on your behalf. That it's not about your works and about your strength, but it's about him. Amen? Amen. Now, this is the bit where I feel like we're going to, where it, it now concerns us. Okay? Now, I spoke about it being a temple. Now, another thing that is common in the understanding of temples back in the ancient Near East is that they had idols. Someone say idols. I can, I can, I can hear the gas thinking. What, how, how can idols relate to temples? How can an idol relate to the temple of God? Because the temple of God has no idols, right? The temple of God has no idols. Why would God have an idol in the temple? He didn't, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, as he says to them, he doesn't dwell in houses made by men. He can't be confined to that. God doesn't have, you know, he doesn't, he didn't use idols. He don't walk in those things. He doesn't need those things. He is the Lord. But I want to go to Genesis 1 verse 27. This is one that we know quite well. And it says, so God created man in his own image and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The word used there for image is a word called salem. And the word actually means image idol. The word actually means image idol. And if you actually look throughout the scriptures, you'll find that everywhere else that you find that usage of that word is actually referring to idols. Now, the thing about our authority or the thing about the authority of us is that this is, this is God placing and showing us that we are actually his reflections on the earth. That our authority as believers comes from the fact of we are actually made in his image and according to his likeness. What we are literally are the image idols of God. We are the display of God's glory. We are the display of God's glory on the earth. We are the displays of the good works of God on the earth. Amen? Amen. So this is something that would have been understood so strongly to the point where they would, there, there was ceremonies that they had even in the ancient Near East where they understood that breath coming into idols. And that was something that they would have come to understand and seen in comparison and seeing, okay, that's the perverted way of how they thought it was to work. But the reality is that God actually breathes into us. God forms us. Instead of it being, okay, you know, an idol formed by the hands of man, it's actually God forming humanity and breathing his breath into it. God doesn't need help. And that's something that we need to understand about God's authority. God's authority is actually a picture of, Sabbath is a picture of God's authority because of this. Because what God wanted them to do in resting is to show that the fact that he worked. The fact of the, re the rest of God actually shows to them, don't work because God's already gone before you. God wanted to do that as a ceremony to understand that, look, this is what I'm doing. This is what I've done for you. This is how I fought before you. Even when it comes to how he entered into, um, how they entered into the land of, of, of Canaan. What actually happened with that is that the Lord, the angel of the Lord went before him. And if you don't know, and if you don't know what the angel of the Lord is, the angel of the Lord is actually a theophany, which just simply means that it is a, a, a picture of Christ before he actually came in the flesh. 
So what we actually see in these things is that it's the Lord walking before them. The Lord stood before Israel. The Lord walked through Israel into the land of, of Canaan. The Lord is the one that fought for them. So when he gave them the commands of what it is to follow the Sabbath, he was literally saying to them, understand this. It wasn't by your works that you were able to stand. It wasn't by your ability that you were able to fight. It wasn't you that conquered the land. It was God. When they, when they observed the Sabbath, the Sabbath wasn't just about, okay, let's rest. The Sabbath was, okay, let's reflect on what God has done. No matter how much you think you can toil for it, like I said, no matter how much you think you can fight for it, it's actually through the authority and rest of God that we actually obtain. Hallelujah. Amen. That is literally what the Sabbath meant to them. So let's go back to Mark then. Because we saw them questioning Jesus. Hallelujah. And we're going to go to verse 24. And it says, And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry and those with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abitha the priest and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. You see, what David was doing there was that David knew where his authority came from. David knew that his authority came from Christ. So what was happening there is that David was tapping into something that was that ancient principle about Sabbath. He understood that what was happening there is that the authority actually came from his position in Christ. His authority actually came from that which he was reflecting. You see, David was, this is a very poignant story because David was actually a picture or a forerunner of what Christ was going to do. Even Christ came from the line of David. So what was happening with David here is that David was peering in the spirit towards what Christ was doing in his fulfillment. And he was saying, because Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath, I am now able to go through even into the temple and eat the showbread. You see, this is something that we need to understand here. When Christ is speaking to them and he says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the son of man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. What is happening there is that Christ is actually pointing out to them that he understood who's his position, that the law that was written was actually written by his words and that the fact of this, this authority comes from his positioning as the author and finisher of our faith. What was happening here is that when they were looking at Sabbath, they're thinking, okay, this is just a law that I have to respect, that I have to do day in, day out. But what Jesus was saying here is that, do you not understand what Sabbath came from? Sabbath came from the fact of, I did this work, I made this creation, and then after that, I sealed it in my authority and rested enthroned. That's what was happening here. Christ was portraying a picture of his enthronement to the people. He was showing them what Sabbath was. Because the truth of the matter is, Sabbath shows that Christ did the work. One thing that we have to understand is that your authority doesn't actually come from your works, but from his position. And one thing that we have to understand as well is that Christ is painting a picture here, that the rest of God only enters when Christ is enthroned in his temple. The rest of God, let me break that down for you. The rest of God is when Christ is enthroned in his temple because of this. 
the Sabbath was actually God resting. And when God rested, literally what he did is that he sat enthroned amongst his people. Like I did portrayed to you, when he actually completed his works of creation, he sat with his people. When, he went, when the temple was built, he came into his temple and dwelt with his people, and they received rest. What that was showing is that the authority that they lived in was the fact that God dwelt amongst them. What he was showing to them is that now Christ walks among you. The son, when he's saying the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath, he's literally saying that which everything before was pointing to, that which everything commanded the laws are pointing to, even as the scripture says that it was a schoolmaster, what it was is that it's pointing you unto Christ. What he was saying that what is now before you is the fulfillment of everything that was spoken, everything that the forefathers had spoken, everything that the faith was pointing to, every single law, every single principle was pointing back to this, that Christ is now here with you. And, God, and the thing is, on top of that, what that shows is that your authority doesn't come from the fact of God standing up and moving. God actually, I used to think this. There was a song that I listened to. And what I'd say is that, and some people would sing it differently. Some people would sing it, so arise to your rest and be blessed by our praises as we glory in your embrace. And the funny thing that it actually says is that it actually, it, it doesn't say arise to your it, 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 says, so, it says, so arise to your rest. And I thought, what does that even mean? Arise to your rest. Some of these songs we sing, we don't even understand. Arising to rest. I'm thinking, what does that mean? Arise to rest. What that means is this. God's authority is in the rest. The writer of the song was saying that this, when God arises for you, when God is moving for you, it doesn't take you to sit there for hours and hours to pray. It doesn't take you for hours and hours to, to, to be there fighting, fighting, fighting. But the reality is that it comes from the decree of heaven. It comes from God's enthronement in your life. If you want to see the works of God in your life, where is he seated? Where is he seated? And this, is, and this is even more so to those who have not yet even taken, if you've not taken Christ seriously or yet even if you haven't received Christ into your life. The authority that we move in when we declare here, the authority when we pray, doesn't come from the fact of how big we shout. But where is Christ? Do you follow Christ? Is Christ a part of your life? Because like I said, it doesn't matter how many nice statements we have, how many nice pieces of theology that we know, how many nice pieces of philosophy that we know. The truth of the matter is that where are you on a mo on, in the morning? I like how the psalm says, early in the morning will I rise to seek you. Do you seek the Lord? Do you seek the Lord? Early in the morning will I rise. But it says... But it's these things, it's seeking God, it's being there in the secret place. For the scripture says that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall what? Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That is what happens. So the Sabbath to them was just something that you did. Whereas to Christ is something that he lived. And I want you to, and I want to build your faith in this one. When we pray, 
When we pray, it's not about how much you feel him. When you decree something, it's not about how much you, you, you feel his presence in the room. It's not about how many feathers you've seen. It doesn't matter if, no, if nothing's moved. So honestly, it's like, it's like we only care if someone's just dropped down and been slain. The only time we know God to be around us is when someone's, when someone's dropped out and slain or when something miraculous happens, like someone sees a certain sign. We need to mature as believers to understand this. The reason why Christ was unbothered when he was questioned is not because he, he was having a feeling. It's because he had a knowing. The truth of the matter is that Christ, the scripture says that he's seated, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What the reality of that means is this, even though you see me here, in the unseen world, I am seated in Christ. My authority comes from the fact of him being seated. Even as I, I love this, this is the one that really gets me. Stephen is being stoned. He's being stoned and he's coming to the end of his life. And he peers up and he looks to heaven and he says, I see the Lord sitting enthroned in the heavens. That is what he sees. The only thing that Stephen is feeling at that moment is pain and suffering. That's the truth. He's being beaten. He's being stoned. But yet he sees something because his operation, this is a man that moved in, in mighty, miraculous moves. He was just transported by the spirit from one place to another. Read about it. But when he was actually being stoned, what he saw he looked unto heaven. The truth of the matter is, saints, when you pray, when you pray, you need to understand that God is moving from somewhere that you can't see with your eyes. When you pray, I want, I want us to stand in a faith that doesn't require us to be stirred by someone. I want us to stand in a faith where we walk into a position and say, even in the midst of the ungodly, I can stand, even in the midst of those that are accusing me, I can stand and say that the Lord is fighting for me. Can you, the, the thing is sometimes, and I'm not against this, we want to set the atmosphere. But could you imagine the atmosphere that Christ is walking in when literally every two seconds, read it, every two seconds he does something and they're like, so um, what authority do you have to do this? Um, have, you, have you got a warrant from from? The high priest is, is, is are, are you, are you, you know, you can forgive sins now. They're questioning him. There is no atmosphere there. There, is, there are no fluttering clouds there. There is no sparkling dust there. It's just Jesus standing in the midst and someone in need in front of him. They're murmuring behind him. Someone in need is standing in front of him. He's saying, I don't care. Sometimes he'll say, put them out. There's a situation where you say, put them out, but Jesus says, there's a need in front of me. And what is inside of me speaks louder than what they're whispering about me. Can you hear what God is saying about you when other people are standing there and murmuring about you? Can you hear what God is saying and say, it doesn't matter how much talk is going on behind me. It doesn't matter how the environment doesn't fit what I'm looking at. Sometimes you'll have a situation where, the, where the, literally the room is just tough. The ground is tough. Sometimes you'll go to minister and the ground is tough. 
and you're like, God, man, these people ain't trying to move. They ain't trying to do something. But there's something about moving in the speed of the Holy Ghost. It does not matter who is standing in front of you. It doesn't matter how dead the room is. You can just say, Lord, is there a need? Come and answer. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's a faith that is beyond. Faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. What that means is that I, I like how it taps into some faith is a substance of things hoped for. What that literally means is that there's, even though it's not seen and it's not tangible, I can't touch it, I can't, I can't feel it. What it actually means is that in somewhere beyond my eyes, this actually exists it may not be tangible here, but in the unseen realm, in the heavens, it is tangible. It, 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 it exists. It is with me. It doesn't matter what I'm seeing right now. And sometimes we'll face situations in our lives where we're not going to feel God. We're not going to feel like, we're not going to feel goosebumps. We're not going to be in this situation and be able to, you know, call on someone. But we need to be able to stand in the midst of the situation and say, regardless of how I feel right now, Lord, regardless of what is going on, regardless of the doctor's report, regardless of what my, my enemies are saying about me, regardless of what the, the paperwork says, about me the Lord I believe you I believe you God I believe you work I believe you're able to minister I believe you're able to save I believe you're able to deliver I believe that you're able to cover it's beyond just a feeling authority stretches from a place that is not tangible authority can't be seen I like how I like how uh, Cornelius puts it. I believe the centurion, sorry, puts it. He says, he says, I'm a commander of I'm co- I'm a commander of people, and at my word, someone comes and he goes. So he says, I don't need you to come to my house. I don't need you to come and lay hands. I just need you to speak the word. The truth of the matter is when you understand authority, it doesn't come from the fact of, okay, I need you to tangibly touch it. I need you to do something. Literally, it says, speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. Everyone, please stand. I'm going to invite the worship team. And everyone, I just want you to pray in the spirit. If you have that, if you have a, if you have a heavenly language, pray in the spirit. If not, just speak to the Lord. Speak to the Lord. Lift your voice unto the Lord. I've spoken about faith today, Ketalamanda, in reference to authority. One thing that I wanted to speak about when it comes to authority is the fact of the unmoved nature of God. God is unbothered by what can, sometimes we're moved by the problems that we see in front of you of us but God is unbothered God is literally unbothered 
And it's not about what you feel in this moment, but I believe God. I believe God. Nandala makasataya. I believe God. Nendo bohotolo masaya. Does anyone believe God in here? Lemandala masataya la mahaya. And I believe God regardless of what, like we've been saying, authority speaks regardless of what you feel. And I, I want people to come down here who have a ridiculous request before the Lord. I want people to come that have a ridiculous request before the Lord. Even as I've, even now I've preached this word and teach this word to you, authority does not matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how hard it is. It doesn't matter how impossible it may look. But I want to pray. Because I believe that beyond what I see before me, that God in heaven reigns. God reigns over our situation. God reigns over your problems. And even if you don't feel it right now, I believe God. And we're going to pray. We're going to lift up our voices before the Lord. And the faith that I have will connect with yours. And I want us to come back and testify of the miracles that the Lord will do him not mitz le mandala masakataya le bekete le mandala makotoya le bete le mesetaya the lord is seated upon the throne the lord is seated upon the throne of our hearts keto momoko say le bakatala mahande li bekete le bokosataya la mande bekete na mande li bekutolo mohose ramande beketala maha lande bekesete le mandaya i want you to pour out your your request before the Lord today it does not matter your situation may seem impossible but the Lord is able to deliver Lamanda saya, I want you to pray. Ketolo mohosotoya. Lamanda la makatala mahasataya. Confess, and I want us all right now to confess. Let's just confess what it is before the Lord that we want right now. You don't even have to utter it out of your mouth. Matalamande beke yo sure ketelende hikandala mahai.